Merry Meet, and also a very Merry Maybon to my Northern Hemisphere listeners. You're listening to Season of the Witch with Rowan Oaken. I'm your host, Rowan, and today is our first podcast together. I'm a little too excited. I could pee. Maybe I have. You don't know. This is a podcast. So let's smoke the most of our time together and get into this hard and spill some cosmic tea, drop a few witch truth bombs and just chat some shit. Isn't it so exciting the thought of balance in the world right now? The Southern Hemisphere and the Northern Hemisphere is receiving both equal day and night. Our differences in balance and the Earth in harmony. The equinox is one of my favourite times of the year and I'll be getting into that in a little bit more detail in the podcast today. So, I hear you. What exactly will I be talking about today? I thought today was a really great opportunity for me to introduce the podcast, throw out some themes to you and hopefully um, get to know each other a little bit more. I'm really eager to build an interactive online covenant where we can unpack some listener topics and drill into some hard witchy themes. So today I want to start a discussion around some witchy tropes on social media, covering slightly the female gatekeeping in the witch community, and, and finally round off with a bit of a background on how I found my craft and Astara's importance in that. So there's going to be quite a bit about balance in here today as well. Now, I'm going to hold my hands up here on this one. I only recently got into podcast listening. That's, that's quite embarrassing, I know. But I've really loved the the flexibility of listening and learning on the go. I'm a huge, 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 huge shout out on this one. Huge fan of the Witch Bitch Amateur Hour and find myself sort of just binging episodes whilst I paint, run and do the dishes. It's, it's really that versatile. Now, speaking of being versed, I do really want this podcast to be not just an LGBTQ plus inclusive space, but also a place that really helps to to elevate queer witch voices. At the forefront of what I want the channel to be is, is this emblem of the queer community, the emblem of the queer community being the rainbow. And talking of which, I was so confused during Pride season. You know, going past people's windows, is that for the NHS? Are they queer supporters? I have no idea. But back to the podcast. <laughs> so often I find the witch social media community have this really strong heteronormative white female vibe and I'm not here to trash talk that vibe. I want to invite that in but at the same time bring out my sturdy pillar candles and sort of shed some light on the spectrum of the witch community. I mean, let's be real though this isn't some sort of cis female feministic white pride bullshit that's shunning men. This is a societal knock-on effect of witch practices being demonised for centuries. The word witch, for a really long time, being a slur to describe an abhorrent evil woman. Witches were scapegoats for, for failing crops, and in particular those hedwitch, hedwitches who were predominantly women, unmarried, independent women, who took solace in the earth and not a man. Witch! So, guys, that's your fault. But also, it's a bigger societal issue of toxic masculinity. So what if I want to take a herbal bath? Or meditate with crystals? I don't give a shit. That's not going to make my dick fall off. And with regards to the colour spectrum of witchcraft, I do feel, and again, this is just a personal reflection, that often there is a bit of a distance between things like witch and hoodoo practice that, that kind of prevents this uniting of the community. When I talk of things like 
uh, hashtag witchy vibes aesthetic, you do see a predominantly white lens. But you have to think deeper over its origins. Witchcraft emerged around the European continents from pagan practices of Scottish farmers, you know, Norse myths from Scandinavians, and Greek gods from the Greeks. And the one thing that many of these places have in common is the white colour of their skin. Their lore, their mythology, their practice, like their skin colour, skin colour has been passed through those generations. And this podcast is not here to ignore the majority, but elevate the voices of those within the witchy community who who feel like a minority. Don't get me wrong, talking about race, it scares the living hell out of me. It's it's like walking across a room, a, a room of mouse traps, and you're blindfolded. You don't want to trigger any of those traps, and no matter how carefully you walk, you are going to step on a trigger. Again, yes, I am a white male. Um, my son is dual heritage. That, though, just it doesn't give me authority or agency to talk on behalf of his heritage, but it does mean that I have an important role in elevating that voice and giving it a platform, even if I sometimes get it wrong. So do sound off with your thoughts, but please be respectful. Educate, don't humiliate. Put that shit on a t-shirt. Sell that. I would buy I would buy that. Oh, educate. Don't humiliate. We need more of that in the social media community. I think so many people are so conscious of just jumping down someone's throat and trying to humiliate them from something they said. And often it's coming from a place of not being educated about how to talk about something in a particular way. So yeah, educate me if I get something wrong. In this podcast series, I, you know, I I want to explore the usual witchy shit like correspondences, lore, sabbats, ritual spells, and craft. But I want to be doing that with a focus on widening the spectrum of the witchy practices. And as a dad, I hope to explore some witchy crafts you can do with your kids. And as a total and as a total homebody, some sort of everyday magic on how you can bring that magic into your home, especially if you're living in a dual theistic household. Now I've just made that word up. The, two beliefs. We you know that my my husband is, is Christian um, and and I follow my pagan witchy ways. I could Google it and see if it's a word, but I won't. So we're gonna use that dual theistic. Theistic. I like it. So throughout this series I'd really like to hear from you all out here on, on, on different witchy top topics or tips and workings. Um, especially if you you're coming from a unique perspective from you know different gendered or sexuality based practices so please sound off your ideas in the comments or or dm me as well yes send me a dm i'd love to know love to love to hear what you're up to at sotw with rowan on instagram twitter and facebook that's sotw for season of the witch sotw with me rowan and rowan is r-o-w-a-n so as mentioned i uh, in the intro I'm Rowan, a cis male queer witch and the better half of Sour and Sisterhood. And don't worry, my sister would absolutely agree with that one. If you've come from our Instagram, you already know that my identity is kind of hidden. I don't really upload pictures of myself. I don't, I, actually, I don't upload any pictures of myself or my family. I've already talked about my son who was adopted and because of him, I keep things a little bit more covert online for his safety and our families. You may be thinking, <laughs> sisterhood. Sounds sister, but Rowan, you're a man. 
you've told her that you are man. You can't be in a sisterhood. And I'll just say bugger off at this point. I'm not going to get into some semantic warfare with you. And I know I've already laid down some tea about gender bias in the witch community, but so in siblinghood, it just sounded really dire. So I, I don't forward this to JK Rowling. She will kill me. She will kill me dead on Twitter. I'm like a book about male witches being murderers. Don't do it. Growing up gay, I didn't really identify with brotherhood, male tropes and the masculine ideal, but I do identify with the sisterhood between my biological sisters and the witch community. Just spend five minutes with a group of cackling gays and you will get what I mean. That's 100% a sisterhood. Now, do you ever think about that moment when you were like, yeah, I'm a witch, or yeah, I'm going to start living my witchy truth? Well, when I think about starting my magical journey, I feel that it fits into the same box of trying to figure out that I was gay. There was, there's always this sense of knowing I was different. I didn't fit in. I saw things in a different way. And, and that was from a very young age. I think really it wasn't until I had a homophobic dick throwing a bag at me in school shouting gay that I realized, oh yeah, I, I guess I am kind of super gay. <laughs> I think being a witch was a little like that. Her mum was one of the most magical bitches you would have ever met. She, she was a crystal, crystal wearing, incense burning, tarot reading in your face witch. Totally out of the closet with it. But in the sense that she never really, well, she never called herself a witch or, or told us that what she was doing was witchcraft. I think she saw a lot of it under the umbrella of spiritualism, which seems a lot more eclectic and kind of devoid of the stereotypes that come with being a witch. I'm wondering now if I had thrown a bag at her and shouted, witch, she would have had the realization of, yeah, I guess I am kind of super witchy. But I didn't, it was just normal. So I never really thought any less or any different of it. It was only until I married my husband that there was this realization that there was a lot of weird witchy stuff we used to do as a family that just happened without explanation of why we did it. We just did it. Things like first footing, around New Year's, well, even the Beltane celebration, like Mel uh, the May Queen celebration that we had, the latter of, of Beltane kind of feeling a little bit like the Midsummer you know, or kind of the Wicker Man and the first, a nice Scottish tradition, you know, the first footing, that's nice, uh, mixed with some positive intentions there. And it really did take my husband pointing out to me how different some of my upbringing was. I should stress also that, that my my mum, she was brought up Catholic, very much believed in God with a capital G. All six of her children went to a Christian school and we regularly attended church services. However, even with that, I even found the church kind of super witchy. <laughs> it wasn't until I was an adult and started unpacking a lot of what we did with the church, with the celebrations we had and the activities we did that I realised how fucking pagan it all was. That was when I started to educate myself more on it, you know, read about where all these celebrations came from. And in my naivety, I was shocked at how many pagan festivals had just merged into Christian celebrations. Now, I don't think a lot of the church do a lot of these anymore. You know, I, I came from a very, very small British village um, that kept a lot of these celebrations going. And I think in, in towns and cities, I don't think they do these as much anymore now. And, and maybe they do, let me know, I'd love to know. You know, I mentioned the May Queen before, and this was a festival in our village that we, we did every year, and I really hope it still goes on now. But 
you know, let me know if you're if 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 you're doing May Queen festivals and those kinds of things in the, in Christian celebrations. I'd really love to know. Uh, you know, I really thought, you know, what sense does a May Queen have in in the twenty first century? This was the the twentieth century, but what does it have in the in the twenty first century church? It was the most pagan thing you could possibly imagine. So, for those of you who, who don't know, like you know, each year in our school, because we were a Christian school, a May Queen would be voted for by the children, and then they would vote a May King. Again, that you know, heteronormative tropes kind of coming in here at the moment. You know, like, but voting. For a king, it's kind of like a prom queen and prom queen and prom king that you have in in America, I guess. It all sounds good so far. It seems legit, but here's the weirdest part. You know, she would then have a procession and a crowning, and she paraded around the village on a float to finally sit on a throne to watch dancers skip around the maypole. Need I remind you? This is a ten-year-old. I need I remind you? This is a Christian school. It wasn't until I began reading about the origins of the May Queen in the Beltane that I realised that this was one big fertility festival, where my friends were skipping around a phallic symbol as two classmates got ritualistically married off to signify the rebirth of the earth. This was certainly a moment for me as an adult reading all this back, but again, this is something the church did at the time, and I admire their bold-faced tenacity. They, they, they did just take local farming practices, law and festivities, and and, and use it for themselves. It was sort of like, oh, hey, cool. You metaphorically marry off a child in a fertility festival to ensure a good harvest? Cool, yeah, that's super cool. Jesus likes that, and, and he does it too. Let's let's just all skip around a pole for Jesus now. I love it. It's It's kind of needy. But it's exactly what has ensured the safety of the church's growth over time. Its ability to adapt is fantastic. Such a shame it's kind of taken so long for it to adapt to LGBTQ plus people. But, you know, that's that's like a different podcast. And I'm not here to God bash at all. Like I said, we have a dual theistic household. We sing Christina hymns at home for Christmas. And we light a ritualistic Yule log for the winter solstice. I say these things out of love and respect. Do I sound a bit like I'm backpedaling? I kind of think I am a little bit. Religious wrath scares me. Please don't come for me. <laughs> so I, I started talking about my mum who already, and, and how how goddamn witchy she was. And I use was because she's not around anymore. She hasn't become unwitchy. And you know, in 2009, our mum, she died of this of super, super gross, super aggressive cancer called anaplastic thyroid cancer. And it was a cancer that just, it just ripped through her body mercilessly and drained her body of all her existence. And by the end, she turned to God, God with a capital G. She had the last rites and she was given a Catholic ceremony. She, she was a Christian witch, I guess. Best of both worlds. There were no ceremonies of healing. There were no placing of crystals on her throat. All that magic was drained from her. And I guess she was sort of ready to go. My brother, who lives in New Zealand, received a visit from her around five years before she died. Physically, not metaphysically. And on the visit, they stayed up late, probably drinking brandy. And she tells him goodbye. Like a goodbye forever goodbye. 
she saw things a lot in clairvoyant type scenes and I often wondered had she seen what was going to happen had she given up and surrendered to the cancer knowing its inevitability to talk with my mum it, it, it is quite an emotional subject and how I made countless of artworks about her which I, I will you know, I'll totally post at some point on my Instagram but but when she died there was and I'm sure this is for, for many people for many people with, with with parents that passed away there was this real chasm that was left her nickname amongst the family was the queen and the queen she was when she died the head priestess mantle was passed to my older sister and for a while this uh, this crown was really worn by the elder sister she would she would lead the family as if the queen had passed it down to her my three sisters often playfully joked about the spirituality of the power of three between them whilst Others drew similarities between Shakespeare's hags, poor text, or actually a really high cultured read. <laughs> I'll let you decide. Well, um, around two years ago, my older sister, the new high priestess, she passed away as well. She died in a horrific accident, falling, falling down the stairs. I actually... This is awful. I, I laughed when I heard it. And I know that's really disgusting. I, I didn't laugh because I, it was funny. I laughed out of shock. That wasn't a thing. People, people don't die falling down the stairs. Especially someone like the Queen 2.0. But she did. She died falling down the stairs. And, and it shook the family up once again. It was, And it was around that time that I noticed this different vibration to my witchiness. I started feeling the ground in a different way. I remember digging up weeds in February and the earth feeling warm. It was the, it was the winter, the, you know, the dead thick of winter and it was warm in my hands. And I sat with my fingers and I wiggled my fingernails into the ground like roots. I just imagined my fingernails growing into the dirt. I know that sounds really weird and, and kind of gross. And it is kind of weird and gross, but it was like this awakening. And I love as well the idea that this awakening was happening the time of Imbolc as well. Perfectly apt. And it, it kind of felt like this power of three was back again. When I think about it, I imagine Charmed. I don't know whether you've, you've watched Charmed. It's this TV show from the early 2000s and, and when one of the sisters Prue dies Paige this other sister that's never been in the series just is kind of like like half sister I think is just drafted in as a new character and I kind of feel like the new character in all of this one of my sisters strongly identifies as a witch both vocally visually and spiritually I went to her first for advice and guidance as I, I began reading and, and reading and reading and reading and reading and I, I went through every Llewellyn book I could get my hands on. I read almanacs and correspondence guides, read up on local history and law, visited old sites we went to as a child, and I'd go to her with, with these questions on, on how I should be doing things and what my practice should look like. And, and at first I got, I got really pissed off. And her answer was so obtuse and, and, and quite, be whatever it may be. 
doesn't want to be doesn't want me to be a witch and hey maybe that's true but now I like to think of it was because she knew that I needed to find my own path to being a witch and you can't really do that with someone telling you how to do things so I kind of want to channel a bit of that into this podcast I don't want to tell you how to do things or how things should be done I see that so much on social media and I think it's absolutely hilarious even in British pagan societies one village's festival would have looked completely different to another's one witch's brew would have tasted completely different to another's because it would have had different herbs in it because they didn't grow around that witch's house the practice is hard to define the path it's, it's not really a path it's like a slightly treaded forest trail those people who want to tell you that you're doing it wrong in my opinion they're the ones doing it wrong this should be a personal experience that's attuned to you to your location and the vibrations around you when i first started identifying as a witch i got obsessed with identifying as a particular type of witch and i bought i bought books on being a green witch i i took quizzes titled which witch are you and, and i was hung up on putting myself in some witchy box i and i remember that in the queer community when i began identifying as gay there was there was a question that i got asked all the time so are you gay or bi like, what a disgusting question really you know does that even matter how is how is that even your business growing up as a teen i had really long black hair and i, I wore a lot of makeup total gay goth cliche and you can picture it well trust me you don't want to picture it actually it was, it was i did it really badly um but during this time people would often ask me are you a boy or a girl you know i i would say i, I was you know i was i was definitely very gender fluid I, I took a lot of influence from female goth fashion um and you know when i say people would ask me are you a boy or a girl i don't even mean people i mean you know that cat calling kind of trash scum those kinds of people retrospectively it's such it's such an interesting concept that people were so intimidated by gender fluidity that they would feel so compelled to call out to a stranger in the street in order to ascertain their gender what even is that i've heard of primordial chimp brain type thinking where the human brain works on creating patterns of recognition in order to identify things as either friendly or a threat but come on finding out whether i'm sausage or bun is it's just really not a threat to their existence perhaps it is perhaps it goes back to that toxic masculinity again they were so afraid of their masculinity being compromised that they were so desperately needed to call out to me on the street needless to say my answer of ask me on a date first and then i'll show you it really didn't ever go down well so just don't do that like it's not new but you know i i think the witch community asks this question of itself too much what is my label yeah labels can be useful especially for jars because i sometimes find myself throwing any old incense in it you know because i my stupid ass have got to put a label on, on my incense but but you're not a jar of incense you're not you're a super cool badass witch 
know, and yeah, I I do have an inclination towards a certain witchy practice. You know, I love being in a garden and using herbs to cook up magic, but you know, I shouldn't let that be the definition of my practice. I often let others define my practice for me. I see I see so much moon-based practice and working with the feminine divine and and I often forget that the world is based on duality and balance. As much as we have the solstices, there are equinoxes also. There, the, This is complete supposition, but I think that where we live in a very male-dominated society, where, where even media for women has a male narrative, witchcraft has been a feminine escapism for many many women, you know, where they can craft a world that is stripped of the male gaze. It's, it's skyclad, not nude. It's empowered. So where do men and the queer community fit into this feminist narrative? You know, and I'd, I'd really love to hear some cis stripes straight witches out there on how they feel fitting into the witch community. You know, where's your place? What's your work? Today, you know, balance has really been quite the main topic of discussion, actually, and I think there's something missing from social media in the witch community. You know, look at altars. You know, balance is integral to the setup of an altar, dividing up equal male and female representations. But I wonder, where does gender fluidity fit into this? Is the gender divide seen in our altars kind of quite archaic? To close, I'm going to finish with a story about balance and a spell for balance. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, this is a great spell to be doing around the start of the equinox. And if you're up here with me in the Northern Hemisphere, this is a great time to recharge it. And if you'd like to find the spell for yourself, it's in Llewellyn's Sabbath Essentials of Star on page 70. And I'll put a link up to the book here in the podcast. And if you're interested, feel free to stick around at the end for the full spell. When I first started coming into my own and my own power with the craft, I was, I was coming out of a time in this really incredibly toxic workplace. Incredibly toxic. And I'd spend some days in, in the toilets just crying. It was awful. I've never in my life been around leadership that was so vampirically draining. And I got to a point where I couldn't even continue. I quit. I, I, I didn't have anything to go to, but I quit. And in a discussion with a senior leader, I told them that they were, they were extinguishing a passion, a fire for what I do. And I couldn't stay any longer. I let that be doused by their inhumane treatment of their staff. I, I had been there for four, maybe five years, and I loved the place so much. But people don't stay for good jobs. People stay for good people. I handed my notice in at Embolga as, as I was awakening myself to the craft. You know, this is the same time I'm sticking my fingers in the, in, in the dirt. And at the time, I'd made my own wand out of a fallen hazel tree and in the coming weeks also fashioned a broom out of silver birch. And, you know, I had never cast a circle in my life, but I'd seen this spell um, for balance in the Llewellyn Sabbath Essential on Astara. And I, I was determined to get balance back in my life. My, my son was 
maybe around two at the time, and, and I barely saw him. I was working so late. My evenings were consumed with the grief of my job, and I needed the equilibrium restored. So the spring, spring equinox came, spring equinox, spring equinox came, and I nervously, I performed this spell for balance. It was, it was really long-winded with so many different items. And I think at the time that made it more exciting, you know? I don't really do that many long-winded things now. I'm very, I'm very much about the mundane, but I love, I love a good circle casting and something that's really focused and intentional. But you know, this just this process of going around and and sourcing my amber bracelets from this shop up in London and and the herbs and the resins. Oh, jeez, oh, the herbs and the resins. There's so many. For this, you needed <clears throat> what was it? Angelica, basil, sage, sweet woodruff, vervain, yarrow, comfrey, chamomile, frankincense, and myrrh. And at the time, my stocks were so limited that, that, that this was quite an ask for me. When I started, my, my hands, they were shaking as I was sweeping up the circle and, and cleansing the space. And I'm thinking as well, you know, I've continued doing all my circles outdoor. It's kind of just a part of my craft now. I, I, I cast all my circles outside. You know, I like to light a big fire and that's that's my cauldron. And, and yeah, that, that's something that works for me. I, I've, I have a big outdoor altar space. I love seeing people's altars. It's, um, it's a real treat. It's like an invitation into someone's real sacred space. Um, and I should, I should share more of that. I think that there, there should be one up on my Instagram if you want to see, see my altar setup. I don't know whether I've taken a picture of kind of the full setup because normally I do things at night as well. Um, I quite like working with the energy on night nightfall. You know, and in this, uh, in this ritual, I or this spell, I, I, I stumbled all of my words and I felt so silly and conscious of others, you know, someone who could be walking past hearing me or some, a neighbour looking over and seeing me. I worked really hard on, on channeling that energy of balance in the equinox. I, I drew down the power of the earth's balance and I charged these two amber bracelets. And I've, I've worn them ever since. You know? And I have a job now and, and that I love so, so, so much. It's sometimes I just stand in the forest and I say thank you thank you so much for this gift this this job that I have now and my my life really really changed since that spell um after charging you know I, I wear those bracelets every day like I said you know I make time for my craft now my hobbies my exercise my husband and my son is it the bracelets is it the amber no probably not and I guess that's where some of my thoughts around the craft is a little divisive, I guess. You know, for me, manifestation, charging and intentions only work if you believe that they will. It's like a placebo. You know, you, you tell me that that's a placebo I'm taking and it doesn't do anything. Those bracelets are charged with my intention of balance. They're not magical, but the work I have done to charge them is. I think, I don't know whether I believe that they're not magical. I guess they are, they are magical in that sense. And I think a lot of people expect that magic is this big sparkly wave of blinding change. But I think 
I know sometimes it can be, but I think magic is often more mundane. It's in the earth, it's in the air, and it's in every part of you. It's about knowing how to connect with yourself and with the earth. Oh my gosh, do I sound like one of those gatekeeper people? It's about knowing. Like for me, it's for me, it's about knowing how to connect with yourself. I should be really specific. It for me is. For you, it might not be. You know, I look at the birds and and they know how to fly south for the winter. They're born with this innate knowledge that the earth gives them. This knowledge. And, you know, and we are evolving an existence that tunes out the world. It pulls up its roots. It harvests its gifts mercilessly. Witchcraft has devolved me. It's took me back to my roots, my ancestry, my heritage. And that's why we, when I was looking at setting up an Instagram with my sister, we went for Samhain Sisterhood as an Instagram name. Samhain being a time of ancestry work. So I guess my take home message today is fuck the naysayers. You know, get your hands dirty, make mistakes, make so, so, so many mistakes. The ancient witches of our time would be trying and testing their brutes hundreds of times before they practiced it. Give yourself time to explore and acknowledge the magic in the mundane. You know, I don't even think I've, I've perfected, I don't think I'm ever going to perfect anything. I'm going to change things, you know, I'm going to adapt things all of the time as I should. As I should. I'd love to, to start taking podcast requests and suggestions and I would love to hear your stories too. When did you come into your own power? How, how do you feel fitting into the witch community? Have you come across some a-hole gatekeepers too? I'd love to hear from some queer witches as well. You know, all our trans, non-binary, gender fluid witches who are questioning their role in their practice. I really like, I'd really like to know how, how do you find your feet in the sisterhood and coven of witches? It's been really great spending some time together and I hope you can join me next week where I really want to get into some herbs, spells and lore. Don't forget to subscribe and get social. You've been listening to Season of the Witch. I'm Rowan Oaken. See you next week. Thank you for hanging around for a, for a spell. So I guess this is this is for... Those of you in the, the Southern Hemisphere, um, looking for an Astara spell, but I don't see why this couldn't be done at Mabon, 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 Mabon. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna read out what the book says. You may have this book um, yourself, you can follow along with me. Maybe you want to do the spell and have this with you. So you, you you don't have to have the book out of you if you do this at night time. I would have actually really liked that when I first did this. Because I was really struggling, I remember really struggling to read, holding uh, this book underneath the fire, trying to read these words. So actually, this could be quite useful. Let's get into this, okay. So, uh, the book says, Often our lives get completely hectic and out of control. And for many people, this happens during the winter holidays and getting life back in balance again may seem impossible. 
we don't eat right, we don't sleep right, we might not be getting enough exercise, mm, that's me, uh, we may have left our spirituality slip to the back burner, we may have left many things slip to the back burner, I've just, does it repeat itself? It does. Uh, while the spell can be done at any time, ha, you can. It's very well suited for the spring for its renewal connections. It's also extremely well suited for the equinox for its restoring balance aspect. So you can do this. You can totally do this in the uh, the uh, winter equinox, in the autumnal equinox, actually. What better day to restore balance to your own life than on the day that is naturally all about balance? For the spell, you'll need to cover a few things. I like this, a few things. For me, this was quite a lot. So, you need to create a powdered incense out of some different herbs. Uh, you'll also need a mortar and pestle, a fireproof container, your cauldron perhaps, two charcoal um, tablets, and a lighter. Um, the herbs and resins you need are angelica basil, sage, sweet woodruff, vervain, yarrow, comfrey, chamomile, frankincense, and myrrh. You won't need a lot, just a teaspoon of each is fine for now, or you could do a tablespoon of each to save some for future recharging, which is what I did. You'll also need two pieces of amber. They may be stones of amber, or amber set into a piece of jewellery. Earrings would be ideal, since there would be two of them, and could go on each side of the body, creating balance. Or you could use two rings, one for each hand, or two bracelets, one for each wrists. But try to avoid using a necklace if you can. I, I went for a bracelet. Two bracelets. If you're using jewellery, and that's another thing, I went for two bracelets. And in the shop, when I was buying these two bracelets, the... The, the the woman comes up to me and I'm buying to and I'm, I'm saying, oh, I'm doing this spell for balance. She's like, oh, you don't need to. I was like, oh, but the spell says I need to. It's about balance. I need to. She, and, like, and, and she was really just like, no, that's ridiculous. You don't need to. Um, and I guess I don't. I guess I didn't. But I followed the spell to say that I need to. But maybe I didn't. You know, maybe she's right. Maybe you don't need to. But it's, it's kind of about that symbolism of balance. I like wearing them, you know, one on one, or just a one on the other. <clears throat> um, so, you, you know, you can perform this spell again and again every time you need to recharge these bracelets or, ne uh, not necklaces, earrings or, or rings. You also need two green candles. So begin by collecting all of your ingredients. You may also want to create a circle, which is what I did as well, in which you do your prep work, but that isn't enti it's entirely up to you. Some people are able to do their prep work and their actual workings all in one location, others not. So just do whatever works best for you. Using the mortal and pestle, crush all of the herbs and resins together. And it's not easy to crush a resin. Uh, some people use an electric chopper, grinders for this purpose. And if you do go this route, be sure to have a separate one for your magical workings. You don't want to be mixing up all other gross things with it. Um, when your incense is complete, set your altar area up with your fireproof container in the centre with a dish containing the incense next to it and the amber stone on the opposite side. Place a green candle on each side of the fireproof container, creating balance. Cast your circle, if you didn't do um, before your incense, and call in any deities you prefer to work with. And this, I don't really work with deities. Um, I just, I mean... I must admit, though, I do I do like a bit of um, Brigid around in bulk, actually. So, um, or Brigid, however you prefer to pronounce. So, like the charcoal tablets in your fireproof container, 
um, you're using two since this spell is about balance and also because it really helps in the burning of incense so if you only use one of the charcoal tablets you have a much smaller burning area and often a lot of the incense will kind of just like, sit in it and not really be burnt you know, give that charcoal burner some time to really turn red and, and become coated in an ash light your green candle on the left side of the altar and say sometimes life slips out of control it is for me to set it right to strike a balance on this day of equal night and equal day i think i tried to make that rhyme and it doesn't actually rhyme so light the green candle on the right side of the altar and repeat sometimes life slips out of control it is for me to set it right to strike a balance on this day of equal night and day it actually says of equal day and night in it but... then add as i light these candles one on each side i begin my journey back restoring balance, step by step, putting my life back on track. Now, take a small pinch of the incense and sprinkle it on top of the lit charcoal tablets. And as you do so, say, return balance to my life and create a harmony that all parts of my life live together in symmetry. With these intentions, charge this stone so that my life takes a balanced tone. And as the smoke rises into the air, take a piece of your amber and pass it through the smoke slowly in a clockwise circular motion and sprinkle the incense with your non-dominant hand and hold the amber with your dominant hand. We often work in threes, so when doing magic, um, but because the spell is about balance, we want to kind of keep everything about the spell nice and balanced. So instead of using three pinches of incense and saying the above, a total of three times, we're going to do everything six times. This way we're still using a multiple of three, and yet we are keeping it balanced with an even number, and not off balance with an odd number. After you say the above, once and a major circle through the smoke, use another pinch of incense and make another pass with the amber. And continue doing this until you've done it a total of six times. After finishing with the first piece of amber, replace it on your altar and repeat the entire process with the second piece. When you finish six rounds with the second piece, place it back on your altar as well. Pick up the candle on the right hand side and hold it close enough to your mouth to blow out and say, the magic done here today sets in motion a brand new way. I pull together from all of my sides to balance out as the chaos dies. I release this magic into the air, so mote it be, and the goddesses care. Slowly blow out the flame of the candle and envisage the magic being released and swirling in the air on its journey out into the universe. Oh, it's my favourite part. 
pick up the candle on the left side of the altar and repeat exactly as with the first candle, reciting the above, blowing out the flame and envisaging the magic being released into the universe. Close your circle. Dispose of the ashes from your fireproof container. If you have a stream nearby, this would be the most ideal place to dump them, but you can also bury them. If there are still pieces of herbs or resins that did not burn, bury it in a location where you won't be planting anything. Some people keep a small section of yard, yard, I'd say garden, um, or a special planter with just dirt in it for burying their magical workings. I don't do that. I want to do that. If you used amber gems, keep one in your pocket on each side of your body to keep them balanced against one another. If you feel it is needed, you can repeat this spell at the autumnal equinox as well. Such a freaking good spell. I love it. And, and, oh, sugar, dropping things. Um, at this point, I have not felt the need to repeat this spell because I do feel, feel really balanced at the moment. But maybe I should do it, maybe, just, in, just in case, maybe I should be doing it. Uh, let me know if you do this spell. I'd love, I'd love to hear from you. It's a, uh, it's, it's one of my faves, it absolutely is. Um, thank you for, for sticking around for our little spell segment at the end. Again, it's, it's lovely, lovely seeing you. It's, it's, it's a, a ni nice, lovely thing. I, I, I haven't seen you. Lovely, lovely being together. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you've uh, enjoyed uh, Season of the Witch with me, Rowan Oaken. Um, do keep in touch and hopefully uh, you'll be hearing from me next week. Uh, Goodbye.